Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Packer. this morning are puzzle people. That's what you and your family do. That's how it was for me growing up. Uh, at every family get-together we would have, whether it be Thanksgiving or Christmas, we'd have a puzzle out on the table. And of course, uh, you get to the border and, and then you try to find those pieces. And the most frustrating thing, if you've ever done a puzzle before and gotten frustrated, is to get to the very end of it and realize there's one piece missing. As a father of three, that basically describes my life right now. <laughs> We've got Pieces missing on every puzzle we have. We have a United States of America puzzle and Iowa's missing. I don't know what that's supposed to tell us, but um, but have you ever tried to do a puzzle without looking at the box, like that that picture on the front before? Makes it more difficult, doesn't it? If you like a good challenge, that may be a way to go about it. It's it's almost impossible, especially when you've got that piece trying to find exactly where it fits. Um, Over the course of the story. There's going to be some language that I want to introduce to you this morning that I'm going to come back to. And it's the language of God's upper story and God's lower story. Again, if you're new with us or you're just coming in today, we're uh, in week three of 31 weeks that we're journeying through Scripture in this, uh, this study we're calling The Story. And uh, if you don't have a story Bible yet, we encourage you to look online to get one or you can uh, come to our table at the back after service, and we'd love to, to make sure you have uh, one that you can read along with us, because uh, next week we'll be engaging in chapter four, and so we want you reading ahead for that. But today, story, uh, we have an upper story and a lower story. And the, the lower story is uh, the idea that there are the details of our lives that we do every day. That's our lo- lower story. And the same is true in Scripture. We're going to go through 31 lower stories, stories of people that are in the nitty-gritty details of life that they're walking through. And sometimes it can be real confusing and frustrating while we live in the lower story. But, but there's an upper story that Scripture talks about. That God is moving this whole story somewhere uh, uh, after all, even in the midst of our lower story questions. It's, it's what God sees from a larger perspective and where he's taking things. It's the entire story of the Bible about God pursuing relationship with his creation. And while things may not make sense from a lower story perspective... Just like that song we sang just a moment ago, we put our trust that God sees things uh, on the higher level, in the upper story. It's the difference between holding a a puzzle piece and trying to place it in the puzzle without a box, and the upper story is the ability to see the larger picture. Without a box, it can seem impossible. 
And right now, that's where we're living life. We're living life without the box. We've got our puzzle piece to play, and yet it's harder to see without the larger perspective of what God sees all around us. And today's story, the lower story, is focused on the character Joseph. He goes from favored child to slave to prisoner, and ultimately to second in command over all of Egypt. It's a remarkable journey of ups and downs that I hope you'll see your own story in this morning. And to use that analogy of a puzzle, Joseph doesn't have the box to see what God may be doing in a larger way. And I hope this story gives you hope as you're living in your own lower stories right now. With whatever puzzle pieces you may have without seeing the box, that God has a role for you to play in this story that he is shaping and continues to shape in our world. Let us pray as we open God's word this morning. Father, I thank you for the story of Joseph. To me, it is such a blessing to know this story, to see the ways that you were at work in the moments that Joseph may have the hardest time seeing it. But scripture is clear over and over again that you're with us, that you never leave us alone. So God, we want to put our trust in you again as we've just sung this morning, that in the midst of what we cannot see, we trust the one who can See, this morning I pray you'd pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Well, this week in the story we met Joseph. Joseph is uh, the 11th of 12 brothers, one that's going to come a little later on in the story, Benjamin. But those 10 brothers don't like him very much at all. It's a dysfunctional family. And so if you're wondering if that discounts you from being used by God, Joseph will remind you that's not possible. No, no, anyone can be used by God. He's got three stepmothers in this story, and he's his dad's favorite. But his brothers don't like him. In fact, they hate him. <clears throat> and I want to read with you this morning a little bit of why that's the case. There's a reason for that. And so open in your Bibles, if you would, with me to Genesis chapter 37. I want to begin reading in verse 3 about uh, the story of Joseph. Now Israel, which is another name for Jacob, again, we're in the family line of Abraham here. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him, More than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. So you've got a dad that loves uh, one son more than the rest of the sons. And this son is a dreamer, Joseph is. In fact, he had had a dream that it goes on to tell you about in chapter 37, that these sheaves were around him that represented his brothers, and they're bowing down to him. There's stars in the sky that are bowing down. <clears throat> to this one in the middle. And I don't know if your siblings have ever told you dreams like this of how it will one day be, but a little bit of free advice to you, which is worth, I guess, as much as you paid for it. The parents showing favoritism to your children isn't going to go anywhere good. Let's be honest about that. My kids ask me that question all the time. Which one of you do you love best? Joseph's story gives us caution, right, with that. And so that's one bit of advice from this. The ki- and to kids, If you have a dream about your siblings bowing down to you, just keep that to yourself. (laughs) Don't share that with the others. That's not going to go well either. And to everyone, you don't don't have to share every dream and thing that you know with everyone. So what do the brothers do? Well, Jacob tells Joseph to go check on his brothers who are taking care of their dad's flocks. So Joseph goes, and this is what happens. This is the bottom of page 29 in your story Bible. It's also Genesis 37, uh, verse 18 and following. But they saw him in the distance, 
And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. They want to kill him. Which kind of takes us back to that first story or early on where Cain and Abel, right, have this murder that happens between brothers. That sibling rivalry and problem continues on in this story. Like I said, it's a dysfunctional family. But once again, God is trying to use Abraham's family and he's finding trouble in seeking to do that. But there is a kind brother in this group of 11 that are there. There's a guy named Reuben who's a brother of Joseph. And he says, you know, let's not kill Joseph. That's a little overboard, guys. Why don't we just throw him alive in a cistern, in a well, and, and, and we'll just leave him there. It'll be just fine, but we won't have the blood on our hands. And, but then his brother Judah is more of an entrepreneur. And he says, no, we won't get anything out of that. Why don't we, why don't we sell Joseph? And if we can do that, we can get some money back at least for this guy. So that's what they do. They sell Joseph to this uh, group of Ishmaelites that are traveling by. Now, it's interesting that group of people. That ought to take you back to earlier in our story, right? Because back with Abraham, he has the child of promise, Isaac. But there's also Ishmael, who's the other son, the older son that's there. And and God says he's going to take care of him and actually make him into a great nation. And, And there's Isaac, who's the child of promise. Well, the Ishmaelites, this story is coming back full circle because Joseph's brothers are 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 turning him over to the Ishmaelites to be sold into slavery. So Joseph does that. He goes with these Ishmaelites who give him to a man, sell him to a man named Potiphar in Egypt. And Potiphar's a big deal. He's he's actually the captain of Pharaoh's guard. So imagine being Joseph with me. I'm guessing this is not the life that he had dreamed of when those dreams came to him. His brother sold him for 20 shekels of silver. His dad thinks he's dead, that some animal has perhaps taken him off, and and now he's a slave in Egypt. And this is just the beginning of Joseph's difficulties that are an up-and-down journey. He faces adversity for years after he, he enters into Egypt. And if I were Joseph, I think I know what I'd be asking in this moment. God, what are you up to? Why, why are you not acting on my behalf? Where are you, God? Maybe some of you in this season are asking that same question. Because in previous years, maybe you've sensed that God has answered your prayers, that God's been faithful. But in this moment, it seems like so many of your prayers have hit the ceiling. Or maybe this is one of those dates that's happened this week or this month that is a hard memory of what's happened in years past for you. In the midst of those seasons, it's easy to wonder, God, where are you? Do you still see me? Do you hear the prayers that I pray? If things don't go as we expect for them to go, that's usually the first question I think we have. We question God about it. But the interesting thing about Joseph's story is that no matter how bad things get in Joseph's story, there's no question about where Joseph's God is. God is with Joseph. This week I was reading through the story and I was underlining that phrase and I found it several different places. I just want to read those with you this morning. Genesis 39 verse 1. This is page 31 in your story Bible. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. 
Where was God? Verse 2 tells us clearly, even in this, the Lord was with Joseph. And it's interesting because God blesses Potiphar's house in the midst of all this. This is really kind of a, a fulfillment of what's been promised in Genesis 12 with Abraham, his ancestor. You remember? I will bless you. I will make your name great. You're going to be a blessing to all, to all nations on earth. Well, it's already starting with Egypt. Here is Potiphar, whose household is expanding and growing and receiving the blessing. And I wonder right now how many businesses around our country and around the world are being blessed by God right now. And it may not be the one who's in charge, but it may be the faithful followers of God that God continues to bestow blessing on. You may be the very reason that the place where you're working and serving is being blessed. And you may not be getting the credit for that. Joseph doesn't seem to in this story. But I wonder how many out there right now, it's because of faithful people who continue to work hard and do their best. And God provides blessing on those that, that reap it on their behalf. But Joseph has a challenge, a challenge many of us would love to have. Scripture describes him as well-built and handsome. According to the Scriptures, that's what's there. And Potiphar's wife agrees with the Scriptures. In fact, she starts putting the moves on Joseph. She begs Joseph to go to bed with her. And I want you to hear me right now in this moment because this is a, a turning point in Joseph's story that could have gone either way. When, when do you think it is that we're most vulnerable to temptation? When things don't go the way we expect them to, I think is one of those times. When I'm disappointed with God or with my situation in life, it can be easy to drop my guard, to be vulnerable to sin, to give in to temptation, wondering, does God see anything anyway? But in the midst of this dark place in Joseph's life, Joseph remains faithful to God. He continues to put proper boundaries around his life and to follow faithfully the purity that God calls him to. He refuses Potiphar's wife's advances. But in a strange turn of events, she actually accuses him of being the one to pursue her. And Potiphar puts him in prison. And so this favored child who ends up uh, being sold by his brothers into slavery winds up in Potiphar's house. He rises up in that house, but then he's unjustly accused of a crime and he winds up in prison. Well, again, where's God in the midst of this? But if you turn to page 32 in your story, Genesis 39 verse 20, we see exactly where God is. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. There it is again. You can underline that phrase, God was with Joseph. And this is such an important principle for some of us this morning that are walking through really difficult moments in our lives right now where we wonder where God is. And I love that in the midst of these extremely challenging times for Joseph, that refrain is there, the Lord was with Joseph. And I want to say the same thing to you this morning. That in the midst of the challenges and the questions of where God is, of wondering how would my story be written if it was in the Scriptures and where would God be, there's this refrain that God wants to pour over your life and to remind you of this morning to say, yes, it's difficult right now, child. But I want you to remember that I'm with you. God is with you. If you're facing adversity, God sees you. God is with you. And God can bring good out of impossible situations. But it is possible that good will come more slowly than we'd like. And it happens that way for Joseph. In fact, from age uh, 17 until age 30, Joseph winds up being either enslaved or in prison. 
13 of the best years of Joseph's life. Now, he could choose to nurse that grudge and become bitter. And We've seen so many people that have faced that kind of hardship that just go down the wrong road. They, they allow that bitterness to take over, but not for Joseph. Joseph is somehow able to see that there's an upper story in the midst of the challenges of his lower story. But Joseph's story took, takes another positive turn as he's in jail. Now, you remember how the story began, that Joseph has this dream that gets him into trouble when he tells his brothers about it. And then later on in the story, he's able to, in prison, actually interpret the dreams of some that are in prison with him. And eventually, that ends up getting to the, to the Pharaoh himself. As Pharaoh's having trouble sleeping at night, he's having these dreams about these cows, and no one seems to be able to interpret it for him. And someone remembers along the way, this Joseph guy who's actually in prison right now, he might be able to interpret it for you. So sure enough, Joseph is brought into Pharaoh's presence. He hears what the dream was, and he's able to interpret that dream thanks to God's presence in his life. And he tells the Pharaoh, look, there's going to be seven years. They're going to be some of the best years in Egypt's history. It's going to be years of plenty. But following those seven years, there's going to be a famine in the land. And if you don't prepare for it now, there's going to be trouble in the days ahead. And when Pharaoh considers this news and who might be the man to put in charge over all of this project of conserving and, and saving up for the days in the, in the future, he chooses Joseph to be that person, the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. Just think about the journey of Joseph's life, these ups and these downs, from slavery to prison to being put second in charge over all of Egypt in this important time. And in the end, Joseph's family the very ones who have betrayed him, who sold him into slavery, are the ones he ends up saving because of where he is in this story. And I love how Joseph describes this whole mess at the end of the story. He finally reveals himself to his brothers. His brothers are told, go to Egypt. Maybe they'll provide enough so that we can be taken care of in this famine. And sure enough, they go and, and they're before this important person asking if they can have enough food to take home to, to dad. And and, and what they don't realize is they're standing in front of Joseph. And Joseph has this moment. He plays with them a little bit, right? You, if you read the story this week, you saw how it, he doesn't exactly reveal who he is immediately to them. But he does eventually. And I want you to listen to the way that Joseph narrates this story, right? Think of all the bitterness that could be there for Joseph. All the anger about what his brothers had done to him. But that's not what he's focused on. And it, it matters what we focus on in our lives because it's going to spill out in moments like these. Listen to how Joseph describes what God's been up to, what the upper story, perhaps, perspective is here. This is in Genesis 45, verses 4 through 8. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been a famine in the land, and for the next five there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So, it was, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. That's a remarkable telling of the story of Joseph. God was the one who sent me ahead? It's real easy to see that, no, they were the ones who sold them to the Ishmaelites, who is the reason that he wound up in 13 years or the best years of his life being unjustly put in places he shouldn't have been. But that's not the way Joseph tells his story. Somehow he's able to understand, to get a larger perspective, to see it was God that sent me here ahead of you to save lives. 
That's what's going on here, brothers. I'm not angry with you because I see the larger story. It's like having a piece of that puzzle and wondering, where does this fit? Somehow Joseph is able to step back and have a larger perspective. And, and I think in the midst of our challenges right now, it's important to do the same. That's what prayer gives us an opportunity to do is to say, God, we don't understand, but what are you up to? Help us see. Help us not just attribute our, our losses and our suffering to those that do us wrong, but help us to step back and see maybe God has something that he's trying to do in this moment. It happens again, actually, later on after uh, Jacob ends up dying. Uh, this is at the end of Genesis, in Genesis 50, verse 19. The brothers are terrified again that maybe this is where Joseph's uh, power is going to come down on their heads because their dad's now gone. Listen to how he again describes in Genesis 50, verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. This is incredible stuff. And I'd like to know uh, what those down moments were for Joseph, what those negative and critical moments were, because I don't think he always sounded like this early on in the story. But there's something about seeing the way God works through his journey that allows him to look back and to realize that God had more at work here. And I wonder what it looks like for us to have that same perspective. See what Joseph sees in this story. Joseph, Joseph captures what God is doing in the upper story. He sees that there's more going on than the injustice that he's experienced in the lower story. And that's the secret to forgiveness, I believe. Some of you have been mistreated in some awful ways by people who were supposed to be the very people who cared for you. You experienced abuse. Some of you were taunted by students in middle school and high school. You're going through that now and maybe those wounds still stay. Some of you are being mistreated by friends who should have known better. Some of you are experiencing punishments that you didn't deserve. So how do you forgive when you've been mistreated in these ways? I think Joseph gives us a picture of that. You have to lift your head up from the details of what's going on in your life in this moment, in the lower story, and to gain perspective and ask God, God, what are you doing on a larger level? You just never know what God may be up to. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the, the Apostle Paul actually talks about some really hard moments in his life, and he seems to have a perspective a little like uh, Joseph does. Listen to how he recounts these experiences of hardship. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. What causes a guy like Paul to put up with all the abuse he's facing and still remain faithful to Christ and the cause of Christ? I think it's because he's in on the joke. He sees something larger than just the things he's experiencing to know God is doing something and writing a story through my lower story that will be told for generations to come. 
And Joseph is able to have the same perspective. Yes, his brothers had sold him into slavery. Yes, he had been unjustly accused of a crime and put into prison. Yes, he spent more time in, in, in prison. He spent all this time with all these down moments. But somehow he knows two truths that I think we often forget in moments of challenge. And that is, number one, that God was with Joseph. God was with him and he knew that. The, the text reminds us of that again and again. And number two, God is up to something larger than I can see in this moment. Now those two truths are ones you want to hang on to this week. You want to write somewhere maybe and put it on your dashboard or maybe it's something you want to put in your Bible for a later moment in your life. Because if you believe those two things, you can get through pretty much anything in life if we can trust that. Okay, God's with me in this and God's up to something down the road. Perhaps that needs to become a reminder for us. Even in this, the Lord is with me. Even in this, God is up to something I can't see. And that might not make sense in your case right now, but it is a fact throughout the Scriptures. Because God doesn't waste our pain. God uses our pain to minister to others. God uses our pain to walk with others, to give us empathy that we wouldn't have had otherwise, to move us into new positions and new opportunities that we wouldn't have stepped into without the pain of our lives that sent us there. God couldn't have saved Israel if Joseph hadn't have somehow wound up in Egypt. And it makes me wonder about the places we find ourselves in this morning. This may seem like a detour off the plan you had for your life. You had all these expectations of how it would go and what these years, and, and it feels like some of those best years have been stolen from you in some way, or you feel like you're set off course right now and you're wondering, God, what are you up to? I want to just convince you again through this story of what Joseph believed, and that is that God is with you even in this. God is up to something larger in the larger story of what he's up to. You remember the promise that God made to Abram in chapter 12. He says, the Lord had said to Abram, this is Genesis 12, 1, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And here we are at the end of Genesis 50, and that is already coming true. God has used the blessing of Joseph's life to save his family. God is using the blessing of Joseph and Abram's descendants to actually save Egypt. And in saving Egypt, he's saving all the other nations that are streaming to Egypt for salvation, for food in this instance, as they are in famine themselves. There's an important point I hope we can learn from Joseph's story, and that's this. Difficulties and adversity aren't evidence that God is absent in your life. For those of you who are online right, right now that may be uh, viewing and worshiping with us this morning, I want, if you're, you've got a chat window or on Facebook Live, let me encourage you to write right now on, the, on that page what it is that you've seen God do where he's been present over the last six months in your life. I, I want to read this later on and see the things that God's done. The same thing's true about how, how is God not wasting a hurt in your life? How is God doing something larger? And you're beginning to see what that is. I would love for you to just share a testimony on, online right now about that that you can encourage others with. I want you to think about that in your own life. How is God showing up? God is present even in this. God does not waste the pain in our lives. God can use it and he still does. Yes, even that very thing in your life right now that you think he can't, God is present in that. 
So right now you got a puzzle piece. And God's got the box and we don't have it right now. But I hope we'll be faithful to remember that if we stick with God, God will stick with us. And down the road we'll be able to tell stories that we couldn't tell now about God's faithfulness. Let's pray as we close this morning. Father, I thank you for those right now who are struggling to believe this message. Who doubt your goodness and your presence in their lives. Who wonder if this situation that's so painful right now can be useful for your kingdom. God, we need the testimony of saints from long past to convince us of things that are hard to believe in this moment. And I thank you that this week, Joseph, was the story that some of us needed. To be reminded that you are here, that you are among us, that you never leave us even in those very deep valleys of our lives. And God, that you're always doing something larger than what we can see. And so God, would you lift our eyes to the hills to where our help comes from. Our hope is in you. Our help is in you. And so we commit ourselves again to focusing on those areas that we can see uh, what is true and what is right and what is noble and what is admirable. All those things that are trustworthy that will think on those things, God. And that you'll restore our vision to see where it is you're leading us and how you want to use us. But I thank you for each one, God, who is uh, here this morning and is worshiping with us online. I pray that you would work directly in their lives this week to confirm those truths to them. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.